Hey everybody, welcome back to Fsiswi. Hello, dobry den, zdrasuti. Um, today I have a very special guest, uh, Natalia Belonoshko. Natalia, how are you doing? Hi, Vlad. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So, uh, Natalia, uh, give us a little bit of an intro. Uh, let us know who you are, where you, what you do for work. Yeah, so as you mentioned, my name is Natalia Belonoshko, and I'm a business and commercial real estate attorney um, with the Hornstein Law Group. And uh, we specialize in business transactions, commercial real estate, and land use. And uh, land use is like zoning, permitting, and um, everything related to development of commercial real estate projects. That's really cool. Um, I don't I don't meet too many people who are attorneys, especially in the Slavic community. So it's really good to see um, people taking taking that on and going into something that's not uh, just like conventional in terms of jobs. So um, my my first question for you is what what made you want to become an attorney? Like, wh- how did you get started with all that? I think it was. Uh, just that I was always very curious about so many things. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, I was uh, interested in politics and um, a lot of like social issues and law. And um, I think also just the fact that I always wanted to be the best at what I did. I always liked mm-hmm. being challenged. And looking back, I think law was the most challenging career option available to me at that time. Right. And so I just kind of went for it. So I just have to ask then: Is it? Have you seen the show uh, Suits? By the way. Yes, I have. Okay, one of my f- one of my favorite shows um, of all time, besides like The Office. Um, is it anything like the show, like being an attorney? You know, there are aspects of it that I can relate to because it is like being an attorney. So uh, most of the attorneys on the show are like transactional business lawyers, and some mm-hmm. are litigation attorneys, right? So. Um, I think there's some relation, but I would have to say that there's a lot on there that you could not get away with in real life, like, for example, right, extortion right. and blackmail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those could get you disbarred. Yeah, absolutely. And especially being, you know, lying about being a lawyer. That that could also get you disbarred. Yeah, you know, how, how to get a bar license without ever going to law school, that would be a hard one to pull off um, and to be able to do it for a while so that uh, because, you know, there's so much that you learn in school and by taking the bar exam that y- even if you read books, you could come close. But I think people could still tell like something's off. Right. So how, how long have you been an attorney for now? So I'm on my fifth year of practice. Oh, wow. OK, great. What What do you think has been the uh, the most rewarding part of, of being an attorney? It, you know, has your have you have all your dreams come true? Is it exactly what you thought it would be? You know, I think it's a it's a journey, and I think uh, year one and two, you know, you're just trying to get a little bit of experience and trying to get very comfortable in your role, so you don't necessarily feel like your career dreams are coming through. Uh, mm-hmm. But as you progress, you know, I'm in year five. I'm actually starting to see. Okay, I remember now. This is why I chose this profession. It's starting to get more fun and it's starting to get more exciting because you are more comfortable in what you're doing. And now you can focus on the more challenging parts, the fun parts, uh, the marketing, um, the business side of your law practice. But I think the, the, you know, going back to your question, what do I enjoy most? I think just being able to take part in uh, what our clients are doing, for example, you know, making things happen for them. If they're selling a business, buying a business, they're expanding mm-hmm. internationally, or they're developing uh, some commercial property, or they're buying or selling, like you know, real estate investors. 
I think it's very rewarding to feel like, you know, I took part in that. I did something for a client that they weren't maybe necessarily going to do all on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do a good job, I mean, I think in the bigger picture and at the end of the day, you feel like you're contributing to society and, um, you know, you took a part in somebody doing something good overall. Um, because, you know, a lot of our clients do employ people and, you know, especially with commercial real estate development, they're developing like um, multi-unit apartments or even um, single family homes. And so you do feel like you're taking a part in somebody creating something good for the community. Yeah. And you're, and you're working with people and you're working for people. And so, I mean, in, in any job, really, that's that's kind of the goal is to do something to contribute to society and to help people out, right? Absolutely. So what would you say is the uh, the most difficult part of, of being a lawyer? I think, without a doubt, it'd have to be the gray areas of the law because, um, you know, most people assume law is very black and white. You know, I want to go into a profession that's very certain you know the law, you know the facts. But mm-hmm. I would say, you know, a large percentage of the... Uh, situations that you can find yourself in is that you're in this what's called the gray area where you've got facts and your client situation places them in this middle ground where depending on how you interpret the facts and the law you Mm -hmm. can place them either on the left or the right and you can give them advice to move forward or not and so it takes like some judgment calls uh, for you know the lawyer to you know figure this out and then also be very comfortable with the judgment calls they make. And I know, I know a lot of people are not comfortable with uncertainty and the fact that, yeah. you know, the judgment call they make could come into question sometime in the future if, you know, if the client's like actions were ever examined or a judge, you know, if they were ever, um, if they ever came to light in court or a judge took a look at it. So, yeah, you know, I think that would probably be the most difficult and challenging part. But I think the, the way that I, I deal with it is I do a very careful analysis. And then when I present my analysis to the client, I just say, look, these are the risks associated and I'll stay on the conservative side. And so this is what I suggest. This is what I advise given the risk. But in the end, I always leave it up to the client. And I say, you know, if you have a high risk tolerance, you know, we'll Mm -hmm. support you moving forward. But just so that you're aware, these are the risks. Like this is what can happen. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So um, you do work for, uh, you mentioned a lot of construction clients. So you are, right now, uh, depending on when this airs, we are still living through times of COVID. Um, so obviously a lot of businesses are deeply, heavily affected by what's going on. Um, people not being able to go to work, uh, companies not making the same money that they're used to making. Um, so we do have this uh, round two of uh, PPP. Um which is the Paycheck Protection Program? Is is that is that right? Yeah, that that's right? correct. Okay, cool. I I thought I was gonna mess it up because yeah. Um, so with this round two, um, this is the second time obviously that the government has to, has had to inject money into the system. Um, what can you tell us about uh the second round? Is it different at all from the first time they did it? You know, what what what's changed? I think what's different is it's, it is additional money. Um, uh, the application actually reopened yesterday on the 27th. So the first time around, it was $349 billion. It ran out in like 13 Jeez. days. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. Yes. <laughs> Last week, Congress approved the additional $310 billion 
dollar, uh, a billion dollar bill for to fund this PPP this time around. Um, so the, yeah, like I mentioned, the application opened yesterday. Um, nothing's really different about the rules, although we can always expect things might change because things are changing on the daily. There's new rules coming out all the time. But the what was in place initially and who could apply was small businesses, sole proprietors, self-employed individuals, and independent contractors. Um, also, nonprofit organizations, so like 501c3 religious organizations mm -hmm. and churches. But you have churches, to have, yeah. yeah, exactly, churches. But you have to have 500 or less employees. If, if you have more, you could probably still apply, but there's some size standards that you have to meet. But so that 500 employees or less uh, requirement is that from January of 2019 to March of 2020, during that time period, you would have had to have 500 or less. Okay, interesting. So um, that, I mean, that that sounds like, again, the, the fact that they burned through $350 billion in 13 days is pretty uh, amazing to me. Yeah, um, it's very telling of what <laughs> the small business uh, situation is in America, I think. But here's what's interesting is even like really large companies who didn't necessarily qualify maybe as the typical small business but uh because of the number of employees they had they qualified to apply and when they were approved they got something as large as like 20 million dollars right because the loan amount is de uh, dependent on what your average payroll cost was your monthly payroll cost in 2019 and it's multiplied multiplied by 2.5 so if you take oh, a really large company I think, like for example, Ruth Steakhouse. Mm -hmm. I heard about that one. Yeah, exactly, and the and the controversy surrounding that. But so you had really large companies who just happened to meet this requirement and got probably a bulk of the money. And so um, you know there was some pressure for them to give it back. But essentially, um, it is a lot of money. And yes, uh, we're expecting that the lenders are going to burn through them even uh, quicker. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody I, everybody that I know personally in the Slavic community has been affected. Um, and I think most people probably qualify for the SBA or the, the PPP, I'm sorry. Exactly. Um, but I have, I have heard, though, in the past that, you know, dealing with the SBA can be uh, a pain or can be difficult let's put it diplomatically um do, do you think that so, you know businesses applying for this loan is it is it a better option than just you know getting a regular loan at a bank especially now i think it's definitely a better option for a couple of reasons in that so for one um this ppp is actually a forgivable loan if you meet a couple of requirements and one is that you use at least 75 percent of the funds to payroll which is like wages salary mm -hmm. You can use the other 25% for operational costs, rent, insurance, utilities. Uh, that's requirement number one. Requirement number two is that if at the end of the eight-week period, so like let's say you uh, receive the funds from that time and eight weeks later, if uh, you have the same or almost the same number of full-time employees, mm -hmm. so you basically didn't let anyone go. You haven't laid anybody off. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that loan is forgiven. Um, but also, if it's not forgiven, it's still better than a typical bank loan because, for one, the interest rate is one percent, and then the oh wow <laughs> exactly, and then the repayment term is two years, but you are not required to make payments during the first six months. 
Interesting. I mean, forgivable. So you mean essentially it becomes a grant, right? The government just gave you money. Exactly. Well, well, there you go, everybody. Hop on. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to say, like, I've had this, um, I've experienced this with some of my clients, is that if you have like a nonprofit organization, like a church that doesn't have employees, so they don't qualify, but they they hire independent contractors for like their worship team or the pastor's an independent contractor. All of those individuals can apply for this. Oh, really? That's interesting. I haven't heard that one before, so that's interesting. <laughs> Any advice you'd want to give to the Slavic community about around the PPP? I mean, you even mentioned stuff that I have never even heard of, like the 1% interest rate and the uh, independent contractors. Um, any advice you'd want to give to people in the Slavic community right now? You know, just apply as soon as possible. Apply today. Basically, uh, you have to apply with a, the a current, like if you have a current lender or you are doing uh, personal banking with a certain bank, go to them first. So you can download the application off the SBA website, but you have to take it to a lender. So work with your current existing lender. And if they're not offering it or you don't have a current existing lender for your business, then um, from what I know, uh, this is based on like a week and a half ago, the Heritage Bank, Banner Bank, and Washington Federal were taking applications. Okay, well, there you go, everybody. Um, get on the train, get some free money. I'm just kidding. Um, that, that's really No, that's really good. I mean, especially right now when, uh, when a lot of people who work in... Uh, certain fields like construction, for example, and have employees, but they're, they don't have any work because I think actually they finally lifted the rules that construction can resume. Um, but people who, you know, couldn't and still have that payroll that they need to pay, this is a great option for, from the sound of it. Exactly. And then one thing I want to add is one thing we didn't discuss is the EIEDL, which is the Economic um, Impact Development Loan. And it's basically mm -hmm. a disaster loan. And it's, it's also SBA it's an SBA program, but it, that literally is a grant and you can get up to $10,000. And if you're a sole proprietor or independent contractor, you're in business for yourself or you are an established business like a corporation or LLC, mm -hmm. uh, that's actual free money. It takes like, you know, 15 minutes to apply for that. So that actually was refunded again. So, oh, okay. um, but that's, yeah, you can apply directly with the SBA for that. By the yeah. way, you can use that for anything. Like you don't have to use it for payroll. You can use it for rent. And um, so it, that is literally free money. Right. Business related expenses. Right? That way, right? <laughs> Let's not get crazy, everybody. You don't need another Mercedes right now. <laughs> yeah, no vacations or anything like that. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much, uh, Natalia, uh, for, for bringing that info to us. Um, if people do want to reach out to you of any questions, uh, whether you know relating to PPP or EIDL or um, a, you know general questions about law, how can they reach you or how can they get in contact? I think the easiest would be email uh, or phone. Uh, so my phone number is two six zero five nine seven zero nine seven six, and then my email is Natalia at QuarantineLawGroup.com. Um, and also check me out on my website, my firm's website, HornsteinLawGroup.com. And that's H-O-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, Hornstein. Correct. All right. Well, thank you so much, Natalia. And uh, thank you for everybody who has listened to this podcast. We hope you stay safe out there. Be sure to take advantage of any programs available to you. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Do